Hey, New Life Gillette Church, we are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifegillette.com? Here is this week's teaching. Sometimes in life, we need a little bit of a wake-up call because we are asleep and don't know it. Uh, for my for my family, the most obvious illustration we have of this is my oldest son, Lincoln, is a sleepwalker. He will get out. Of, do we have any sleepwalkers in the house? Anybody? Not many sleepwalkers. My oldest son, I'm not a sleepwalker, but my oldest son will get out of bed and just walk around the house, like literal sleepwalking around the house. There's no purpose. There's nothing, there's no, nothing for him to do. And, I'm, and I look at him, I'm like, why are you just pacing? What is going on? Then I realize, oh, you are sleeping. You are not there. You, you can talk to him. You can go up and wave your hand in front of his face. Like and He looks like he is awake, but there is nobody home. He is just asleep. It is possible to look like you are awake, yet be totally asleep. For me, it's after I faint. I'm a fainter. I faint pretty regularly. I faint when I get a shot. I faint when I think about my son getting a shot or he got his tonsils out the other day and just thinking about the procedure, I passed out, um, pass out if I see a gory movie. It's just a thing. Thank you, mom. Mom gave it to me. It was her fault. And, uh, and so I, I will faint and the older I get, something weird is happening. Now when I faint, it takes longer for me to wake up. Like the older I get, the longer it takes for me. The the last few times I've fainted, I will actually open my eyes so everybody around me thinks that I'm awake, but I cannot string thoughts together. It's like rapid fire words are happening in my brain, but I can't figure out where I am. I can't figure out what's happening. Sometimes I don't even know who I am. Like literally I just, my brain will not put a thought together. And so I just start panicking. And I just start like pushing people away from me because I don't know what is happening until eventually some other people wake me up. They're like, Mike, it's okay. Mike, you're fine. Mike, nothing is wrong. And I need them to kind of help me come out of it and recognize that nothing is wrong. Sometimes you can look like you're awake, yet be totally asleep. Since I've been a pastor, I've, had, uh, I've been at a couple bedsides as people passed away. And that's a weird experience. I don't, I don't know if you've experienced that before, but somebody's eyes can be awake and maybe they are even moving around. But when they die, maybe their eyes are still open and their body is laying in the same position. But when somebody dies, you can see a change in the person. It's like you can see the spirit of the person leaving the body and it's this eerie reality and it's a difficult thing to watch. It is possible to look like you are awake yet be totally asleep. Today's service is called Wake Up Sleeper because we see in our world a world of people who are walking around sleepwalking. They're hypnotized. And people kind of label it different things. People say, it, they're, well, I'm just tired a lot. Or some people call it depression. Or We would say, actually, it's just hopelessness. You just don't have 
purpose. You just don't have meaning. You, you, your life is just hopeless. Now, don't get me wrong. I know depression, it can be a real thing, but a lot of people just are looking for a label for the hopelessness that they're experiencing in their life. And they go through the motions. They're doing the Netflix shows and they're doing the video games and they're doing the kids' sport events and they're doing the, the, the routine of work and all that stuff. And they're go, they're, they look like they're awake, but they're actually spiritually totally asleep. And this is no surprise because the world we live in is desperately trying to convince you that your life is meaningless, that your life is hopeless. The world is convinced that you are an accident. Some big bang happened long ago. Nobody intended it. It just happened all by itself. Things appeared out of nowhere and you accidentally happened. And if you are an accident, it is true. You have no purpose and your life is meaningless and your life is hopeless. You add on top of that, the whole keeping up with the Joneses and social media thing, and I gotta get as nice a stuff as they've got, and I've gotta look as pretty as she is, and I've gotta do the things that he does, and, and we start comparing, and we look at their social media accounts, and, and it looks like, man, their life is perfect, because you know we only put the best of the best on social media, and, and it, I start comparing the worst of my life to the best of his life, and no wonder we get depressed. That's depressing. Or you turn on the 24-7 news, news media, and, and their entire goal, they may try to put some good news on there every once in a while to say that they do good news too, but the reality is their entire goal is to convince you that the world is worse than it is. That even though you look at any stats and the world is getting better and better and more free and more free and more Christian and more Christian. Like the world is moving in the right direction. If you look at any metric throughout history, yet the 24 seven news media, their job is to 24 seven to convince you that things are worse than they are. Because what will, what will happen if you're convinced that the world is falling apart? If they can lie to you and convince you of that, then you tune in more and that's money in their pockets. If they can convince you that things are terrible, you'll go watch them talking about all the terrible things and then it kind of is this compounding effect and you start thinking things are worse than they are. I read something the other day that said uh, something like 97% of red tweets on Twitter, tweets on Twitter, that sounds weird, are by rich, famous, powerful people. In other words, you, you go to Twitter and all you see is a bunch of people that got stuff that you don't got. They've got the power. They got the beauty. I mean, what is Hollywood? Hollywood is the prettiest people in the world. And on top of that, they airbrush them. They put filters on them. They do all kinds of things to make them look even more pretty than they are. And we look at the unrealistic world that we consume ourselves with. And it is no wonder that we're depressed that we feel hopeless, that it seems like our lives are meaningless and nobody cares. Well, you know that I would not be bringing this up on Easter Sunday if I did not believe that God offered a solution to this problem. 
You may have heard me say last year we did a survey of the people in Gillette and we intentionally did not survey new lifers, but we asked the city of Gillette, people who go to church and people who don't go to church. And we asked them these questions. We said, do you regularly feel hopeless? Do you really regularly feel anxiety? Do you regularly feel? And then we listed a bunch of negative emotions, anger and all those other things. And then we compared the responses of people who say they go to church to people who don't go to church, to people who read the Bible, who don't read the Bible, to people who believe in God, to people who don't believe in God. And the results blew my mind. Now, I assumed that we would see a little bit of a bump that people who regularly go to church uh, have maybe a little bit more peace, maybe a little bit more hope. It was not even comparable We found out that people in Gillette are six times less likely to regularly feel hopeless if they regularly go to church. Six times. If you could do something that would decrease your chances of going through life hopeless, would you not do that thing? Is this a no-brainer or what? Like in what area of life can you guarantee results like this? No, it's too good to be true. That, that gray stuff, it's all a bunch of hocus pocus, superstition. I don't believe in all that. And maybe you're like, no, I tried church and here I am, Mike, but I'm going to go home today and I'm still going to feel hopeless. Maybe you're skeptical of church because of an experience you had with church when you were growing up. And I would say you didn't give it a chance. Or maybe the church, maybe the version of Christianity that you had an encounter with was not a good version of Christianity. But I'm not asking you to seek me. I'm asking you to seek God. And if you will lean in, if you will pursue him, and if you will begin to seek after the purpose that he created you for, I promise you, he will give you peace. He will give you hope. Just give him some time. The apostle Paul arguably the most famous Christian of all time. Uh, It wrote most of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul said this to one of the first churches. He said, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. In other words, you were sleepwalking. Or maybe more, more accurately, you were a zombie. You were dead. You were walking through life, but spiritually you were dead. You were lifeless, he said. He says, all of us used to live that way. All of us, pastors, the person you respect most in life, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. How do I know if I'm sleepwalking? One clue that can tell you if you're sleepwalking is if you can sin without regretting it. If you can lie or lust without regretting it, you are asleep spiritually. If you can steal from someone or if you can hurt someone without regret, then something in you is broken. Because God designed you with a conscience. God, des- God, God designed you with this ability to recognize when you are doing something you shouldn't do, the same way you feel pain when you touch something you shouldn't touch. He put in you this ability to recognize when you're doing something you shouldn't. However, culture and our habits have a way of deadening that, hypnotizing us, putting us to sleep so that we no longer recognize how sinful we are. We no longer recognize our need for God. 
By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. We were sinners, and the, the punishment that we deserved was death. Not only did our human nature cause us to live in this world, these hopeless, lifeless lives, but also it kept us out of eternal life. It also kept us out of heaven. You were walking around dead in this life because you were destined to hell. Happy Easter. <laughs> but there's good news, right? The Easter story doesn't end with a death. The Easter story is good news. It is the promise of resurrection. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. What do we say at New Life? Jesus loves you unconditionally and he died to give you new life. Jesus died to give you life, to wake you up, to raise you from the dead. No more zombies, no more hopelessness, he says. That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. You were dead because of sin. But what does this mean? But sinning less doesn't bring you back to life. This is what most of the world thinks. Well, I'm not, I wasn't good, but now I'm good, so I deserve to be saved. Are you a good person? Well, I try. Have you ever stolen something? Yeah, but that was in my past. You're still guilty of it. You are, I don't care if you sinned one time when you were 15 years old, you're guilty of it. We are all guilty of it. And that sin caused death in our lives. So sinning less cannot cause you to come back to life. It's just like if cancer kills you, you're dead. Chemo's not going to bring you back to life. You need something else. You need a miracle to bring you back to life. For he raised us from the dead. He did it along with Christ and seated us with him and the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. And when he raises us to life, we leave our zombie lives behind. Our life that was once filled with darkness is now filled with hope, is filled with light, the light that, that brings life to our lives. And it has been ever since Jesus raised from the dead. And here's the key. Paul says, the light makes everything visible. That is why it is said, awake, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. It is a gift. It's not earned. You're not going to be good enough. You're not going to try hard enough. You receive the gift. Where does our light come from? Christ gives it to us. His resurrection allows us also to be resurrection, re resurrected. It gives us life. Zombies, wake up. To be alive, uh, my kid's textbook tells me that we need four basic elements. We need water, air, food, and light. What is Jesus? He is the living water. He is the breath of life, he says. 
He is the bread of life and he is the light of the world. We cannot have life without him. We are desperately in need of him in order to have any life in our lives. I don't know if you've heard the story of the prodigal son. It's a story of, of a, a boy who decided that he didn't want to live in his father's house anymore. So he took half of his father's money and he went out and he did everything he had ever fantasized about doing. He did the prostitution and, and all the drugs and alcohol and whatever felt good to him, he went after it and he did it all. And then one day he realized it's all just making life worse. It's just making life harder. It's just leading to more hopelessness. It's just leading to more depression and more pain. It's what I wanted. It's what I fantasized about. But when I got it, I didn't want it anymore. And he decided that he would run back because he liked the life that his father gave him much more. So he ran back to his father, expecting his father to reject him, expecting his father to, to blame him, to, to yell at him. He said, maybe at least my father will make me a slave in his house. He would rather be a slave in his father's house than go back to the world. So he ran back home. And when his father saw him at a distance, he ran after his son. He welcomed him home. He threw a banquet for his son. This is the invitation that all of you have been given. Come back home. Come back to life. Not to the pain, not to the hate, not to the anger, not to the division, not to all the hopelessness that the world offers you. Come back home to Christ. He offers you a home that nobody else can offer you.